Hello, you're listening to the Ambition Podcast. I'm Ellen Buchan, Insights and Communications Executive at AMBA and BGA. Today on the podcast, I had a very special guest. AMBA welcomes students and graduates from all of its member schools to join its membership proposition. This allows members from all over the world to connect and gives them access to career development opportunities, thought leadership and events with top business leaders. We recently hit a huge milestone of 60,000 student and graduate members. I was delighted to interview our 60,000th member, Enoch Opair Minta, from the University of Liverpool Management School, all about his career and his MBA experience. Here's that conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Could you start us off by telling me a little bit about yourself and your career so far, please? Okay, um, a very warm greetings to all your lovely listeners and thank you for having me um, today on your podcast. So my, my name is um, Enoch Opariminta. Um, I hail from Ghana in, in West Africa. And um, a little bit about myself. So right after completing senior high school, I took the path of um, volunteering. So I've been a volunteer all my life volunteering for several organizations, um, delivering educational interventions in less deprived communities. I think this was what really motivated me to study a bachelor's degree in English for my first degree because I really saw the literacy gap amongst young learners. So right after my first degree, I think I, I, I moved on to work with the British Council where I was working as a language assessment consultant. It also opened me up to corporate social responsibility where we were looking at how we develop and work with new technologies in helping young people uh, master the command of English language speaking and writing and reading. So um, from there, I think I wanted to enter into the Chinese language market, but unfortunately, a whole lot of stories are around the visa restrictions. So I, I backed out of the language um, teaching industry and focused on um, CSR. Um, I also have to my credit um, a master's degree in governance from the University of Liverpool, um, University of Lincoln, sorry, um, where after my studies, I have my research has been focused on corporate social responsibility and sustainability reporting. Um, specifically in the UK airline industries. Um, I think apart from my educational laurels, and currently as a um, University of Liverpool MBA student, I have been helping organizations um, develop um, some of their CSI initiatives, especially with small and medium-scale enterprises um, to make sure that uh, their CSR objectives are really in line with, with what society needs. Um, I am also the co-founder of a non-profit, Gish Foundation, which has been in existence since 2016. So um, that is a little about myself and my career so far. So many interesting things to pick up on, but um, first thing I'd like to ask you about is your foundation, Gish. Um, can you tell me more about it, what it does and how you went about setting up, please? I think uh, how I started Gish yeah, was a funny story. Uh, whilst volunteering for some of um, these NGOs. So one NGO I, I, I volunteered for was into advocacy. So with advocacy, um, we go and um, talk to these beneficiaries about 
why they have to be educated, um, what they have to do to be, to be educated. But I, I, I found a gap. I thought it was not enough to advocate the importance of education, but there needed to be that training, that uh, opportunity to resources to develop, you know, the competencies of these young people. And, and they were telling me, uh, no, you know, per mission assessment, all we have to do is advocacy. And I said, no. So I moved from that organization, go to another organization where they were giving the young people opportunity to learn, for example, um, for, for their high school education. Right after high school education, you realize some of these beneficiaries come out with, I mean, very good grades, and there's nobody to sponsor them to the university to pursue very good courses. Um, I, again, I, I approach management, speak to management, and they tell me that this is how far our mandate will allow us to, to, to do. So I ask them, so do we allow these students who have done so well all in the name of this is where our mandate ends, not be able to have any support, be it financial, uh, be it resource, to further the education. And that was what pushed me outside, you know, these um, volunteering circles. So I decided in 2016 to start Gish Foundation, which was interested in the holistic development of the beneficiaries, the holistic development of the people we are serving. It is not about helping them, to a certain level, and then they get stuck. Whatever enabling environment we need to create to make sure that they fully realize their potential was what really moved me to that good foundation. So from delivery of educational interventions to social interventions to 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 any intervention, if it's soft skills, uh, providing support for special needs, so any intervention that it creates that enabling environment for people to thrive. I mean, that is what we are into as an organization. So education and health and special needs and soft skills development. That sounds absolutely unbelievable. It's such great work. Also recently made it to the top of the 50 shortlist for the Chegg.org Global Student Prize 2021. That's amazing. Can you tell me more about why you were shortlisted and a little bit more about the award, please? Oh, okay. So I think you have already congratulated me, so I'll say thank you. <laughs> so I think uh, the Czech.org Award is a global award that recognizes students who are not just academically brilliant, but students who are making impact on society. So out of over 3,500 applications and nominations from 194 countries worldwide, the award start to look at students who are not just engaged in youth academic work, but who are able to relate what is happening in the classroom to society, how students translate the knowledge in the classroom to society. And you know, if you ask me my 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 motto for 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 my social work for, for, for the NGO I run, I always tell people that anything you see me do is aimed at empowering the less privileged to have access to opportunity. So it just wasn't about how well you do in class, but the impact you are making on society. So um, I, I received a nomination and um, went through interviews, um, did a lot of background checks. And the amazing thing is I wasn't just shortlisted as the top 50 finalists in the whole world. 
uh, I was only one out of two in the UK to be shortlisted for this award. Um, after this award, I I think I also caught the attention of the of, of Penn Downing Street. So I was also adjudged the winner of the Prime Minister's Point of Light Award, making me the 1794th um, person to be adjudged this award, which happened um, last year, 19th November. And for me, I think um, the selling point which really got me into this shortlist was uh, my award-winning project, which is called Ubuntu. So basically what Ubuntu was doing was connecting classroom beyond borders. So during the pandemic, we know how devastating the pandemic was. But uh, Ellen, just think about a school in Ghana in one rural area and then another school in the UK and then through leveraging the power of technology, of the virtual experience, you are able to connect these two schools and they share culture and they know that beyond our classroom borders, there is another culture out there. There's another people out there. In the space of globalization, there is another community out there that are also aspiring to be what we also aspire to be. So I think um, the, 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 the impact I've been making on society with my NGO work for the past 10 years, I think it was a good selling point to catapulting me today. It's so inspirational and definitely so well deserved. Thank you. Where, where are you going to go next? You've done so many amazing things. I just want to know um, what's kind of on your career horizons at the moment. Yeah, so um, um, currently, um, as I told you, with my CSR, I do. I help organizations deliver their CSR goals. but one of the major things I'm looking forward to tackling is, is the isolation between CSR deliverable goals and then activities of nonprofits or charities. You know, I, I call this ecosystem the society's good ecosystem. We are looking at the sustainable development goals. We are looking at how to tackle environmental issues. We are looking at how to end poverty. We are looking at how to end hunger. I have been working on the field, uh, you know, as a nonprofit professional. And then you get to the field and you realize there's a huge isolation between what companies are doing to help society and what non-governmental organizations are doing to help society. I believe if we want to push society forward, then there needs to be a very amiable intercession between companies' CSR goals and then activities of nonprofits. So at the end of the day, if we are tackling plastic pollution, there should be an integrative integrative approach as compared to a collaborative approach in meeting some of these society challenges. So this time around and in the near future, I'm working with organizations not to just, um, I mean, pick CSR as, as uh, one of the annual events they they have to discharge for society and then just calling an organization and collaborating with. But how do they integrate the activities of non-governmental organizations into the wider TSR framework to make sure that there is more partnership, more integrative approach to this common goal of finding lasting solutions, you know, to the ills of society. Um, again, um, because I am also into sustainability reporting, research into sustainability reporting, I think the KPMG impact report in 2019 um, really outlines that the uptake of sustainability reporting practices in Africa and developing countries majorly is very low. 
So I'm doing more research into um, sustainability reports and empowering small and medium scale enterprises to uh, really reconstruct the whole practice of sustainability reporting and CSR. So I think that is what I, I, I will be looking at. Amazing. I'd love to ask you a little bit more about your MBA since we're coming from the Association of MBAs. So where did you do your MBA and why did you want to um, pursue an MBA in the first place? Okay, so um, I am a current MBA student at the University of Liverpool and I was discussing with someone a couple of minutes ago who is also aspiring to do MBA and I told him MBA are for three categories of people. People who have gotten to the point of leadership, people who are tired with the normal norms and who want to build something, and then people who are bored with monotony and who want to erupt something new, be it technology, be it an innovation. So these are the three groups of people. And at this point in my career, I strongly believe and feel that it is time to build out of the normal times because we are not in the normal times. Uh, the, the presence of the pandemic has opened us to the ills of society, has opened us to uh, some of the challenges which were existing, but we, 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 we pretended they were not existing. So that was what really uh, uh, pushed me to, to start my MBA course. And most importantly, it, it boiled down to which school to, to attend. And um, I, I chose University of Liverpool for a lot of reasons. And because of my CSR background, I was looking at an MBA that was heavily diversified across several industries. And as of now, if my, 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 my data serves me uh, right, if my data is correct, University of Liverpool is the only university offering an MBA in football industries offering an MBA in horse racing and offering a traditional MBA. I, I say traditional MBA because, I mean, all across the business schools, um, the, the, the traditional MBA format we used to is um, um, doing some courses in leadership, doing some courses in finance, doing some courses in um, um, supply chain management, and doing some courses in business analytics. But to have an MBA program where you have interaction with, you know, a cohort in MBA football industries, a cohort in horse racing, uh, you realize it is not just about commercialization of these sports, but as a CSR professional, how are we able to develop a robust community where, for example, for the football industry's NBA, a supporter of Manchester United or Liverpool or Barcelona in that village, that young person who is aspiring, who, who is an ardent follower of these football clubs and aspiring to wear the jersey one day, how do we develop CSR models and initiatives that will give such underprivileged people the opportunity to have access to these dreams? So I, I think um, choosing the University of Liverpool um, um, gave me, and it's still giving me, the experience to go beyond the traditional NBA learning environment to interact with you know, a, a shift, a paradigm shift you know, in the whole MBA setting, sitting and interacting with people who are doing MBA in football industries. You would want to know what is happening there. What are the concerted efforts, you know, about sustainability and climate action in that area? Um, MBA in horse racing, you, you know, my curiosity is peaked. 
what are they doing? You would want to know what they are doing, what their CSR activities are, what their efforts and debates or conversation around sustainability and climate action is. So I think um, why I, I, I wanted to study the MBA is because I think I am in the point of leadership and developing something new out of the norm. And why University of Liverpool was because of the heavy diversity of, of the whole MBA program. So my next question is, what is the most interesting thing you've learned from your MBA so far? <laughs> I love you, 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 you won't believe this, but it's funny. I don't know <laughs> if when you were very young, um, your parents always urged you to, to study hard, be first in class, and make sure nobody beats you. You get to the MBA class and you realize it's not about who becomes first in class. It's all about collaboration. It's all about networking. It's not about competition. It's, it's about who gets the work done. And this, I believe, primarily stems from the, the fact that people have been to the world and have realized that it is not the person who comes tops in the class. It's the person who does well in the industry. It is not the person who is the favorite in class. It's the person who is able to develop solutions to mitigate the challenges in the business world. So, you know, having these childhood thoughts of you know, competing and being first in class and then enrolling in a program where collaboration and networking and partnership and getting the job done is the goal on everybody's mind. I think it's it's one interesting thing I look at and then I laugh at, you know, my old me, laugh at my childhood, laugh at all those motivations our parents and society give to us, you know, making sure we are first in class. No, 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 no. In the MBA class, it's not about being first in class. It's about collaborating to get the work done. That's great. So that's more of what it's like in the business world as well. It's not about who can get the best grade. It's about who can collaborate and create like a good team. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm going to flip that question on its head a little bit and ask you, what are some of the challenges you faced um, when studying for your MBA? Yeah, I think um, you walk into, I, I have done my, my, my master's. And I'm doing my MBA, and the feeling is different. You walk into a master's class, and it looks like you are being your 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 knowledge, you know, range is is being expanded to know more, to apply more. You walk into the MBA class, and it's like, you know, somebody telling you, "Look, there are lots of challenges out there, and you are you are being brought to this class to be developed to make solutions to meet those challenges. So don't joke, sit down." And then you are blessed with a whole lot of things. So I think if you do not have that right psychological composure, you know, you you, you might break down in an MBA class because it, it, it looks like out of the world, you are just a selected few who have been invited into a laboratory to be thought something out of the world. And once you close from the, the class and you're going out, it looks like, so what are the challenges of the world? I'm the Superman. And if, if you don't develop that mental fortitude, I think it, it, can, it can really be challenging studying for an MBA. So based off of that, what advice would you give someone who's thinking about studying an MBA but maybe isn't sure? Yeah, I, I mean, it's lovely to, to, to study MBA. No, no reason to fear. But the point is, as I said, MBA for me, in my definition, is for these three categories of people. people 
who want to lead leadership and not follow leadership, people who want to build out of the rubbles, people who acknowledge the fact that there is a problem and I need to equip myself to be the solution to the problem, and people who want to go out of the normal with something disruptive to change the normal narrative, to change the everyday narrative. So all I will tell you is um, just have that psychological composure, be fortified mentally, and have that, whether that's that, that assurance to yourself, that I think I'm not coming to joke. It's about developing a solution to meet society's challenges. So it's just not the normal masters of walking into the class to learn. It's about you being prepared for something else there. So yeah, just 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 have that strong mental sense and then I think you'll be fine. So from talking to you, I feel like you're really into like being a responsible leader and into like ethical management. So we are really passionate about that too in our membership network. Um, we want this to be able to like global force for good. Um, what do you think that business schools should be teaching their students so that they beca- can become these responsible and ethical leaders? Ellen, I think sometimes when you follow some of the professional webinars um, you organize, organized by AMBA, you realize this is what we need. You realize there's a connection with, with practice. I have been a firm advocate of the teaching of ethics in every business school, regardless of the course. All business students should not be exposed to ethics in just a person. Every student should be should take ethics as a mandatory course. Why am I saying that, Ellen? Over the years, for the past decade, two decades or three decades, we have seen a lot of business schools churning out graduates who are aptitude and not attitude driven. You have seen business schools churning out graduates who are profits and not people driven. And that is why we still encounter all these social issues out there in the marketplace. We still have human rights abuses. We still have um, people being underpaid. We still talk about modern slavery. We still talk about, Ellen, sometimes I don't even want to use this, this, this technology at all. They call something cheap labor. I mean, for me, it is so dehumanizing to even qualify labor with the word cheap. We never hear people talk, talk about expensive labor, but we see companies outsourcing, you know, a part of their business function to companies in developing countries. And you, 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 you see cheap labor at its best. And it's so sad. Another point is we see a lot of business schools turning out graduates who are economic and not empathy driven so you, you 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 realize environmental issues are still persistent um you know leaders and business students are not sustainability minded they are not future minded it's all about making the economic gains today against the prosperity of posterity you realize that we see a lot of business schools churning out graduates and students who are 10 Turn over and not time driven, and that is why the agency of climate action is still not being taken serious. So I think it is time for business schools to teach ethics, ethics as as a full course, so that we know that we are not just developing leaders with 
aptitude, but we are also developing leaders with attitude. So that is what I think should be on the table of every business school, you know, teaching ethics so that, you know, these graduates are pushed out, not just to go make money and to make all the uh, uh, seven, eight, ten figures, but to make sure that with every decision you make as a business leader, in as much as you are profit-minded, be ethically minded. I absolutely love what you said about being um, MBA students being economic, not empathetically focused. That is a great quote. You are our 60,000 MBA student and graduate member. What are you looking forward to the most about connecting with AMBA's membership and using your AMBA membership to its full? I think the essence of professional organisations like AMBA primarily is not just to, you know, boost of its membership, but the delivery of relevant competencies to make sure that anybody who subscribes to these circles is open up to the opportunity for development. Because um, trust me, some of when I watch some, I follow some of the webinars and some of the trainings, you realize these are trainings you would not have in the normal traditional classroom. You know, the, the, the guests you bring on board, um, the, the kind of experiences they share, the kind of challenges they share, the kind of stories they share are stories that are necessary that you wouldn't get in the normal classroom. Now, being the 60,000th member does not only give me that satisfaction of having unlimited access to, to education, which is without the classroom environment. But the fact that you are able to connect, I sit here in the UK and I'm able to connect with an MBA student who is doing something amazing in India, who is doing something amazing in, in the Maldives, who is doing something amazing in, in Ghana, in, in, in Ethiopia, way in, in, in Indonesia. I think that is the, the beauty of being part of a professional relationship. The fact that best practices in industry is, is, is brought to, to, to your understanding in your local context. Best practices is, is brought to that context where you are able to demystify it and make it relevant to what you are facing or the challenge you are trying to, 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 um, um, to, to, to mitigate or the challenge you are trying to solve. So I think being a member, especially a 60,000th member, and it's a personal milestone for me. <laughs> and again, the fact that you are able to, to learn. I've always been telling people that the easiest way to be creative is to copy. And membership of this association gives you the opportunity to, to copy what people are doing best and then replicate it in whatever industry and community you find, you find yourself. So you can, you know, um, read resource, harness resources for the benefits of all and sundry. That's fantastic. And it's been so lovely to speak to you today. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Thank you very much, Ellen, for, for having me and to, to the MBA team. You are doing you are doing a remarkable job. And to all our audience, I want to say thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much to Enoch for being on the podcast today. If you'd like more about leadership, head to www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition 
and make sure to listen out to the next Ambition podcast. <laughs>